is Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, a place to be loved, a place to belong, and a place to serve. I'm Gary Sager, and I am one of the staff members here at Cedar Hill, and this morning I get the privilege to deliver the message. But before we do the message, why don't we um, have a little word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we do thank you. We thank you for the words. I thank you for the words that have been prayed already this morning that, Lord, you, um, we invite you here and we know that you say that you'll be in our presence and we know that your word does not come back void and we thank you for that. And I just ask by the power of the Holy Spirit that um, as your word goes out, that hearts are touched and your message, uh, whatever that is, to each heart and every heart is, uh, is received, Lord. And I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, for the past few weeks, we've been doing a sermon series of meeting Jesus, or as I have in my notes here, encounters with Jesus. And that's what we've been doing is talking about different characters that Jesus met and how their life has uh, changed because of that, who they were before and how their life has changed. And this morning, I want to talk to you about a, a person in the Bible that is pretty much first mentioned in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And you can turn there, or it's, it's right up there, uh, right up here for you to read, and I have it in my notes. And um, this person is a very special person, very called uniquely to something that nobody else was ever called to. And this person is, uh, is unique and very special. And this person had a was impacted by Jesus, but also had an impact on Jesus' life himself, which you don't hear about the impact that others have had on Jesus, but this person did. So let's read, starting with verse 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And Sadie, that's Mary, the mother of Jesus, that we're talking about. And you might be wondering, well, why why Mary? Why Mary? Gary, something wrong with you? It's not Christmas. Come on. Why Mary in the middle of July? Or, you know, good try, Gary, but you kind of missed Mother's Day. You missed that May one because that's when we talk about Mary. And I'm here to tell you that no, I'm not going to deliver a message today elevating Mary to the position of God. I didn't see Mary in my toast this morning. None of that. But the reason that I wanted to talk about Mary is kind of for those exact reasons that I was sarcastically mentioning, is that as Protestants, we're pretty bad at giving Mary her props because Mary was a way, way important character in the biblical characters. She was, very, she was ordinary, but she was special. And that's part of the reason. One of the reasons that I chose Mary is because, again, we need to look in here. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We need to look at the Word of God and see who the real Mary was. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Some other reasons why I did chose Mary is because God chose her. And he chose her for this incredible mission. A virgin that gives birth. I've never heard of that before. But here it is with Mary, to the Son of God, to, to God, to come in Emmanuel with us. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty special thing. 
a very unique thing. Uh, some of the other reasons is, hey, Mary said yes to that too. She was asked, that's a pretty scary thing, but she said yes to it. And really, one of the biggest reasons is if we love Jesus, this is Jesus' mom. Don't you want to know about, about that how, and what she did? How, how did Jesus get here among us? Again, Mary was part of the, the way that was made possible. But the Bible also calls her favored. It calls her blessed. And finally, we see when we look at Mary, we see a powerful example of faith, surrender, humility, courage, and persistence. I think that Mary could arguably, aside from Jesus, have one of the most important jobs in history. And that job was bringing our Savior, Jesus Christ, into the world. And we can learn a lot from her as we examine her and her stories and her brief stories that are in the scriptures. And that's what I would like to do this, this morning. Uh, before we do that, I do want to offer you this blessing. The Lord be with you. So I'm going to do this. I'm not going to, we're going to go through the scriptures and I'll try my best to mention where, where they are. We, you have some notes, but like everything, I got into it and realized, oh, I shortchanged here. I didn't say the scripture goes from here to here and I kind of stopped it up early. So there has been a few adjustments in that. I will try my best to tell you where they are and you can open your word, your Bible, whatever, however you have it, your app and follow along. But I am going this, to this morning try to tell this in a narration from when we first see Mary to when we last hear of Mary. And I've read these verses over and over, so I'm going to kind of give you story time on this because it's just we don't have time to read it and then make the points. So I'm just going to try to, to give you the, that story in a story form. And it, as we've talked about already, the first place that we see Mary is in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 56. And the interesting thing is it starts off with in the sixth month and that if you don't know what's happening before you don't have any context it's, that's a weird place to say that it's not talking about the month of june what's going on earlier in luke is that we have this the story of john the baptist the, his birth announcement you see the whole the book of the chapter of luke one is both the story of jesus and john the baptist it blends them together mary elizabeth is, john the baptist's mother is a relative of mary so that's how it starts. It starts with the this, this same angel who does visit Mary. He visited John the Baptist's father, Zechariah. And he, he makes this announcement that your wife is going to have a child. And, and they're both way beyond. They're older people. They're way beyond childbearing years, but it's going to happen. So we have here, verse, then in verse 25, Elizabeth being so thankful that God's redeemed her dignity. She was going to have a child. And it says that she's, at that time she's five months pregnant. So then in 26, we really could have the Bible saying, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel visits a virgin in Galilee, in a town called Nazareth, and so forth. So that's where we are. And what, what's happening here is Gabriel is announcing something to Mary. And then Mary, later on in the chapter, has this incredible reaction to that. What happens is you have this angel, Gabriel, a messenger of God, shows up and he said, Mary, you are highly favored. And Mary's probably a little taken back and he said, okay, don't, don't be afraid. Listen, you are going to conceive. You're going to have a son and you're going to name him Jesus. And Mary, he's going to be the Messiah. 
He is going to sit on his forefather, David's throne, and he's going to rule forever. Whoa, Mary's like, well, okay, but how is that possible? I'm a virgin. And Gabriel's like, Mary, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you, and you are going to conceive. And you know, Mary, let me tell you something. Your, your older relative, Elizabeth, is pregnant in her old age. She's six months pregnant right now. Because Mary, with God, all things are possible. And when he says that, Mary's like, let it be done. Or literally the words from um, Paul McCartney's song, let it be. That's what she says, let it be, let it be. I am your servant, let this happen. In spite of all the consequences that could, could happen, Mary's aware, Mary is a, she's a very smart person. She knows that she's a young Jewish country girl, probably pretty poor, and um, well, she doesn't know how Joseph's gonna react, she doesn't know how her dad's gonna react, but she knows that God's behind this. So she emphatically says, yes, I am your servant. And then she immediately, the Bible says, she immediately goes and takes off to see her relative, Elizabeth. And she greets Elizabeth, and the Spirit comes upon Elizabeth, and Elizabeth says, whoa, my baby leapt within me when I heard your voice. And then she verifies everything. And remember, Mary's cell phone isn't broken. They didn't have cell phones, right? This is the power of the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth starts saying, you carry the Messiah. Everything that Gabriel said, Elizabeth verifies, and he's our Savior, and Israel's going to be delivered. You are so blessed among women. And Mary then just burst into this song, and this song is often called the Magnificent. And I, that was my fault there that it says Magnificent. It's the Magnificent. I, I sent that note, the bad note in for that one. But uh, see, it's this song that it's really Mary's heart. It it bursts forth with who God is, and it's, it's called the Magnificent because she's my soul magnifies the Lord, is how she starts off. And she does, she magnifies him, and she admits how she is a nobody, but because of God, she's going to be elevated. And then you start seeing all sorts of Mary's knowledge of Scripture, because it's a pattern after an Old Testament character named Hannah who wasn't able to have a baby, and Mary, you know, that's, she's having this baby, and she's singing this song based upon that in 1 Samuel. And you know, she shows a lot of language from the Psalms and from Genesis where God made promises to Abraham. So Mary has this deep knowledge of, of Scripture and she's pouring it out. And she's saying how wonderful God is and how God is going to um, deliver them, how God feeds the hungry. And then she says something that, and I think that this is her perspective, she mentions that you, Lord, will basically tear down the powerful and lift up the weak. Now remember who Mary is. She's living in the first century with an, of an oppressed people. She's a Jewish country girl, as I've already mentioned. And they're being ruled over by Rome. And then they have a crooked governor, Herod. And I think Mary, she's already been verified twice, is, is making a statement. Is like, oh, your time's going to end because the Savior's coming. It's, it's been announced that there's a Messiah coming, and he's going to rule, and he's going to knock you off your thrones and rule Israel. So I think Mary is kind of excited that this is going to happen uh, in her lifetime. So then it, the Bible says that Mary, she stayed with Elizabeth, and we don't hear anything until we have the birth of Jesus, and everybody knows the Christmas story. But remember, something kind of different in this Christmas story is that there were shepherds that were living 
They were there watching their sheep out, outside of Bethlehem in the wilderness, in the hills. And angels appeared to them. And what did the angels say? They said, guys, the Messiah has been born. He's here. And you could go into Bethlehem right now, guys, and you're going to find that baby with his mother and dad, and he's wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he's lying in a manger. And then also on the heavens burst forth with song. All these angels are singing glory to God in the highest. And the shepherds are like, whoa, we have to go find this baby. So they run into Bethlehem, and they do. They, they find Mary and Joseph, and they find the babe exactly how the angels had described. And they tell everybody, and everybody's like, wow, that is amazing. And it says that at this point, Mary treasured these things in her heart. And what was really being said there, this isn't a precious moments little card, you know, where the the blue and white clad Marys, ah, I mean, there's, sure, I'm sure she's very happy about this, but really what's going on here is Mary is a deep thinker. Mary's heart is filled with God's word. And everything that always comes to Mary, she ponders. She stirs it over and she says, what does this mean? What does this mean about me serving you, Lord? What does this mean about my child? That's what Mary, and we're going to see a pattern of Mary doing this over and over in these stories. So, the next step, we have Mary and Joseph. They, they have their baby. Uh, now, we have them dedicating Jesus. He gets circumcised. They, they go on um, and name him Jesus. And then Mary has to wait. There's a purification after a woman has a baby for 40 days. So Mary waits. They wait 40 days. And then they go to the temple. And they're going to dedicate Jesus, that's something that is done with the firstborn son, is a dedication. So they're being good Jewish people, and they're doing that. And this, this older guy named Simeon, who's like a holy man, who's been promised by God that he wasn't going to die until he saw the Messiah. He sees him, runs up to him, holds the baby, and starts prophesizing about this baby that this is the Messiah. This is the chosen one, the light to the world. And thank you, Lord, I can finally die because I have seen the Savior. And it says that Mary and Joseph were awestruck. They just, whoa, here again. How many times have we had this be verified? An angel comes to Mary, Elizabeth announces it, announces it angels announce it, and these shepherds come in, and they ver- verify it with Mary. Now this old guy in a temple runs up to him and verifies this. Whoa, this is, this is outlandish. But then Simeon takes a little turn here, and he says, this child is going to be responsible for the rising and fall of many in Israel. He's going to expose many's hearts, and he turns and says, and you, Mary, your soul is going to be pierced with a sword. And I don't have time to get into some of those implications of what that means. There's a lot of, of piercing that we're going to, I'll talk about in Mary's soul, but I do think one of those piercings, what they're referring to, is there's a lot of people that have misconception of who Jesus is. They think he's one way, and he rattles their cage. And then Mary, I think, is maybe one of those. Solid theology, solid belief in God, but Jesus is full of surprises. And uh, I think she has a lot to learn still. So then, immediately after that, there's another prophet. Another person verifies, Anna is her name. She verifies that Jerusalem's going to be liberated. And then we have a little bit of time. Mary and Joseph go back home, but then some magi visit 
So these wise men visit, they worship Jesus, and then Herod kind of verifies it because he goes to try to kill all the babies two and under in Bethlehem. So Mary and Joseph, they run away for a couple years to Egypt. Then they come back. We don't have that in the Bible, but obviously they came back. And we have this story of when Jesus is 12 years old now. And the family, the clan, not just Mary and Joseph and the kids, but the whole, their whole clan, it'd be like all of us heading down um, somewhere to a party or a Passover, a holy ceremony, and we're, we're watching each other's kids and everything. So they go down to Jerusalem, and they have the, the Passover ceremony, and then um, they head on back. And it's a couple days' journey. So they're into this journey about, you know, a day, maybe a little longer, and they start asking around, where is Jesus? None of the family members know where Jesus is, so they have to go back. So they travel all the way back, and then they look for Jesus for three days. They can't find him. But finally, they find him, and he's in the temple, and he's discussing with the religious leaders and teachers, and he's wowing them. He's asking these deep questions, and he's sharing information, and it's just this beautiful, spiritual, deep scene. But I don't know so much if Mary and Joseph saw that, because they're, they're kind of, they're very anxious, looking for him for three days, and Mary's words to Jesus are, why did you do this to us? We were very anxious over you. And what do you think Jesus' response was? Not, sorry, Mom. Sorry. He's like, well, why were you anxious? Don't you know that I'd be in my father's house? Mom, don't you know that I'd be about my father's business? This is who I am. I am going to do, I'm dedicated to God. I'm going to do this. And it says that, actually, when he said that, Mary and Joseph really didn't understand what he was talking about. But he submitted to him, and he, he went home with him, and it seemed he grew up to be a fine young man. And it said again now that Mary treasured and pondered these things in her heart. She saw something different here. She, had, she has this idea of where her son's going to be, but here he's showing something else, something different, something very godly. So now we have a lot of years go by, and we don't hear hear anything from Jesus or Mary for a long time, and then we're at this wedding, this big celebration, and Mary and Jesus are both, they're both there. And Jewish wedding celebrations are a big deal. They're, they last a couple days. They have a lot of wine, um, except for this one. They ran out of wine, and that's a bad thing. In, a, in the Middle East, for one, hospitality is a big, big thing, and, you know, also it just in this case, it's just a shaming thing to run out of wine early on in the wedding. So somehow Mary gets involved, and she goes running up to Jesus, and she says, Jesus, we're out of wine. And Jesus basically answers, and what does that have to do with me? And my time has not come. And then it says that Mary just said to the servants, do what he says. So a lot of us have our notions of what's happening here. A lot of us, I think, I thought this until I really started digging into this. I always thought Mary knew that Jesus was going to perform a miracle because that's what he does next. And I don't think now that I look at it, that Mary knows anything. She has no intention. She doesn't know about a miracle, anything about that. And a lot of people think that Mary ignored Jesus and just said, no, my time's not now. I'm not going to do it. And she said she did it anyway and that Jesus was somehow, Jesus was somehow embarrassed you know, kind of felt that his mom put him on the spot. And that, that's, Jesus embarrassed? I don't think so. I don't think that's going to happen. So after studying this a little bit, I've looked at it and, I've, and looking at the context, stuff that I've already talked to you about, it seems to me that 
You have this Jewish mother, and her son's 30 years old, and she knows that he's the Messiah. And now you have this situation, a public situation, where they're out of wine. It's time you step up and show people who you are, Jesus. So she does say that. And Jesus' words are, are translated, Dear woman, what is that between us? Which makes me realize Jesus knew darn well what Mary was thinking. And he's basically saying, why do you want to involve me in this? And I think that Mary got the message. I think this is a very gentle rebuke, but she got the idea that I am only going to respond to God's timing. Not don't push me. I'm not doing this. And again, I don't think Mary knew about the miraculous, the supernatural. I think she was just looking for, she knew who Jesus was. She's looking for the natural. It's time for this man to step up and show that he can solve it. And I do think that Mary knew that in her heart. And I have this impression that why she then told the servants do what he says, she didn't know what else to do because Jesus is still the answer. Maybe she dragged the servants along with her when she was going to tell him, you know. And she, I think she just turned like in kind of resignation and said, do whatever he says. And it doesn't matter what he said. What he, it's going to be a right thing. And Joanne's here this morning, and I, I don't know. There, I think there's a lot more to the miracle there of why he, turning water into wine, and that's something that probably Joanne knows about in her class or Pastor Allen knows about. So you might want to talk to them if you're ever interested in the, the deeper meaning of why Jesus did that. I don't think he did it for Mary, though. I think he did it for a lot of other, other reasons. So we, we have that. So here we have a picture of Mary not being a perfect person. But... But she did, I think, it seems like she did kind of repent. She did kind of submit to Jesus. But she did push. She, she, had, she had every reason to think that she was right. But she didn't really seek Jesus himself and see what he, what he wanted or what, his, what, he, what he was getting from the Father. And we have another situation of that uh, in, Mark, in Mark 3. Um, verses 20 and 21 and verses 31 through 35. But there's some stuff going on in Mark a little earlier that's going to give us some context. So we have Jesus. He's running around and he's hanging out with basically hooligans and sinners and, and partying with them and drinking with them and visiting them. And then he's going around and he's healing people and he's telling them that they're forgiven of their sins. And he's arguing with the Pharisees and he's healing people on the Sabbath. And he's drawing huge crowds. In fact, one time Jesus drew such a large crowd that they thought he thought he was going to be crushed and he's by the lake. So he went out in a boat just so he wouldn't be crushed and addressed the crowds from there. And then he, he continued to draw the crowds in, and he's healing these people of demons. And these demons are coming out. They're screaming. And they're screaming, this is the Lord. This is the Messiah. And he's like, no, don't say anything. And then he comes to this other crowd. It's a huge crowd and he's so busy with them that he doesn't eat or, or drink. He's not taking care of himself and his disciples aren't either. And his family gets word of this. And they're like, Jesus is having a nervous breakdown. What's going on? You know, we need to go and we need to save Jesus from himself. And that's, that's no way for a Messiah to act. And we need to go and we need to, we need to help him out. Give him a little peace. So they go up and they, they go to see him and he's with a group. He's talking to him, teaching and they tell somebody, hey, would you go let Jesus know that his mother and his brothers are here? So 
uh, they do, the person goes in and, and lets Jesus know, and Jesus says, who are my mother and my brothers? He says, you know what? These people, he's pointing to the crowd that he's working with, these are my mother and my sister and my brother. These are the people that hear the word of God and they obey it. And he's giving a new definition of family. He's saying it's God's family uh, that is true family. Ugh. Talk about a sword piercing the soul. Oh, oh. But I know from Scripture, I know what's going to go happen in the story. And I think, I think Mary wanted to be part of Jesus' true family. The Bible doesn't mention her for a long time, but the next part it does mention her is at the foot of the cross. And she's watching her son be tortured and die. The almost horrible death that you could die. And her soul is pierced. And uh, she didn't abandon him. She stuck by him. And there's only a handful, and I mean literally a handful of people. Four women, one of them being Mary and the disciple John, that are at the foot of the cross. And she, she's there. And I know any mother, that you are mothers here, you could say, if that would happen to my child, I'd be there too. And I, I believe you. I believe it's a mother's heart that was there. But I know, I know because what Jesus does next, that she is also part of his family. He addresses Mary first. And he says, dear woman, your son. And he looks over at John. And immediately he addresses John and he says, your mother. Behold, look, look here, your mother. Now, Jesus is doing a great thing. Yes, he is taking care of his mother on the cross. He is. But I think he's doing something deeper there. Earlier in Mark, he redefines family, and I think he's saying, you two belong to one another. You have obeyed the word. You have, listen to me, you did not abandon me, and you guys are family. You are part, you're part of my family, which is God's family, and you, you belong to one another. And I know this because of the next time that Mary's mentioned and it's the very last time that she's mentioned in the Bible. But Jesus was on the cross, right? He dies, he's resurrected. And the scene right before where it mentions Mary in Acts 12 through 14 is the ascension of Jesus. And it says immediately after that this ascension, these disciples, they ran back to the upper room. And that's the same upper room that the Holy Spirit was received. And it lists a whole bunch of names, and guess who one of those names is? It's Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's there with that, the very beginning of the church. She's there with her new family. She's there waiting because she knows she needs it. She needs to receive the Holy Spirit. She's there to complete her mission, to tell the story. I don't know exactly how these stories got told, but there's some real private stuff that only Mary could have known, right? How do we know about how do we know about Mary's song? Or how do we know about this angel visitation? Somebody had to say it. It sure seems like it might be coming directly from the source. And she told the story, and um, Mary never left Jesus' side. Earlier I talked about the song, The Magnificent. And uh, I would like to, I mentioned that that was Mary's, that was Mary's heart. I'd like to, ask you to imagine that it would be the same song, but in some of those, if you take time to look at the Magnificent, that uh, she would say, sorry, I find it here, that Mary would use, the, would use the words Christ instead of, instead of God. So the first part, my soul pro 
proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in Christ my Savior. Imagine, imagine that or imagine down where um, initially she was thinking that Jesus was going to overthrow the government that she would say, um, Christ has delivered Israel, his servant, remembering his mercy according to his promise to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. So imagine if she said that, or he has thrown down the rulers and principalities, that he, he, he did win back their freedom. He won it back spiritually. He won back over sin and death. Jesus did a much greater work. And so I again ask, why, why Mary? Because Mary was a perfect example. I hope you hear that, heard that in the stories of obedience and submission to God and knowledge of God's word. And when, she, when that knowledge would, she, her theology, when maybe she thought it was perfectly sound, she was willing to be corrected and she was willing to learn because Mary was humble. And, and the Lord loves the humble. He seeks the humble. And Mary was persistent. She was what we could call feeling like very rejected personally by Jesus a couple times, but she stayed. She never, ever wanted to leave Jesus' side. She was persistent. She stuck with it. And at the end, she was with God's family. So I think, again, as I said earlier, that Mary should be given her props. I think she does stand right. And I know in the children's message that I think she's right up there with Moses and David and Peter and Paul as a, a special servant of God. And we do need to recognize that. Yeah, sometimes I think that she made a, some mistakes and she needed some time or she needed to repent, you know, to get on that same page where Jesus was. But she never, ever abandoned him. And she always sought to be with him and make much of his name. I think we need to ask ourselves, just like, just like happened with Mary, what are your preconceived notions of Jesus? Maybe your theology is nip and tuck. You got it right and you know it. You know you're biblically sound and you know you're working, hanging out with the right people and you're running life according to the way you believe God says. What happens when God throws you a curveball? What happens when Jesus asks something? What he asks, he asks you to work with a group that you don't want to work with. Those, those people, what if God calls you to do that? What if God does something in your life? You, you're living your life the way you're supposed to and, and God allowed this in your life. Are you going to seek Jesus? Are you not going to abandon him and, and seek him and make much of him? Because that's exactly what our true hero Mary did. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for examples of people like, Lord, like your mother and like the other great servants. And Lord, it's only, they're only great because you made them so, because you chose them. You filled them with your Holy Spirit and the power, the truth of your word. And Lord, it did not come back empty. And Lord, we thank you so much for that. And we ask that you would just fill our hearts with your word and your truth and with your spirit to help us obey um, and overflow with your love, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to support the ministry of Cedar Hills, visit www.cedarhillscr.org.